to everybody. It's uh, certainly a great blessing to be here. We're going to turn to our Bibles and look into the Word of God this afternoon. We're going to try and learn a few things from He who created us, God Almighty. Many people dispute His existence today. Many of us uh, would have grown up also not one, also wondering if God really exists or not, but um, in our lives, the lives of the people who are part of the church already, that God has definitely proved himself unto us and all the people said. Um, you just heard a little bit about how it started for most of us. Um, it's called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And for me, that happened when I was at the age of 16, um, which was, um, well, let me try and think now, uh, more than 30 years ago when I actually uh, came to a point where I prayed for the Holy Spirit. It was something my sister uh, had told me about, who'd come uh, along to the fellowship earlier than me. And um, to my surprise, um, I received the Holy Spirit the same way as the apostles received the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And um, uh, I burst forth speaking in a new tongue. And that was quite an experience. Anybody... Um, who's had this experience will tell you it was quite an amazing thing. And from that time onwards, uh, the Bible was just not another book for me. Um, God was real and um, things inside of me changed. And the message today is the same as it has been for the last 2,000 years, that um, if you're listening to us online or you've come to visit us here today and you haven't had the experience yourself, uh, it's available and it's there for you as well. Uh, we can pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit and just like in the book of Acts, you will speak forth in a new tongue um, and many things will change. We've also know now, we've come to know that um, we also should be baptised by full immersion, something I'll talk about maybe uh, just a little bit long, um, a little bit uh, later on. But let's turn to a few scriptures then. I'd like us to go to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10. We will be reading a good few scriptures from the book of Jeremiah today. Now, God's purpose has always been the same. There's one thing that God wants to establish, and that's a relationship with man. So you can read there in the beginning of the Bible, and you see um, in the Garden of Eden, and the way God set things up was that he could have a relationship with, with people. You know, Adam and Eve there in the garden. And later on it went to the New, the Old Testament and the, and the, and the uh, Ten Commandments. And again, it was just a, a framework, really, a framework in which man could experience a relationship with God, his creator. That failed. The Old Testament um, didn't work. And then came the New Testament, the time we're living in now, when Jesus Christ was sent to the earth. And again, the purpose... Uh, of everything that happened, Jesus going to the cross and him suffering, was that we, man could enter into relationship with, with God. That's a very special thing to think about. And um, through um, the born-again experience, this is what now is available. It's what we preach. Um, it's still available today. Um, God's built a framework that if we enter into this, um, he'll, he'll have a relationship with us and we see it through signs, wonders and miracles. So nothing's changed over the thousands and thousands of years. Many people have come and gone, but the, the purpose has been always the same. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be in our lives. 
um, something we know that most people reject. They're too busy today with so many other things. But if you allow yourself to be drawn and you allow yourself to enter into this relationship, you'll probably find it's something you don't want to let go of once you've had a taste of it and you know that it's real. Now, in the Old Testament, God wanted to establish his relationship with a nation called Israel. And there's a good few things that uh, he's mentioned here in the book of Jeremiah, specifically talking to them, but it's just so universal that it applies to us today as well. And I'd like to read here um, verse 23 and 24 to start off with. It just, it's just stated here, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. What is written What is written here for us is something which is like a universal truth maybe, um, that really the way we should live our lives, the right way to go, doesn't come just from, doesn't come from inside of us. It's actually beyond the capability of man to make the right decisions and to head in the right direction. And we see that all the time. A lot of people, uh, you know, they make a mess of their lives. And of course, when you start out, if you're like me, if you like was me, when you're a young person, you think, I'll know how to do it all. You know, and I'll know which way to go. Uh, after you've made a few mistakes, you realize, well, maybe I don't know it all. And, um, we search for an external source of, um, you know, wisdom, maybe. And today you've got webinars and you've got, um, seminars and all sorts of places you can go to saying, well, I need someone to help me, to teach me which is the right way to go, what is the right thing for me to do. And I really love this next verse, um, verse 24, it says, Oh Lord, correct me, but with judgment. So it's sort of like um, what we're hearing here is, God, you set me straight. Um, you show me the right way to go, the path that I should follow. And... Um, don't do it with me with, with, with anger or be upset with me, but just bring the sort of, um, what's he's talking about, judgment here. It's sort of like just with a just measure. And that's um, that's what we've come into. That's the desire we've had in our lives as well, more people said, that uh, God set us straight. You know, we've come to a point where we've maybe realized the same thing here and we just say, God, you set me straight. Now I want to look at a few other things uh, here in the book of Jeremiah. We're going to go to um, chapter 3. Uh, maybe I just might ask, uh, who was at the Woodcroft meeting uh, last Sunday? I think I can see a few people. Well, you, you guys can go to sleep now because you're going to uh, hear the same verses uh, which you heard over there as well. I'm sorry for that. But um, I shouldn't have said that because maybe you didn't remember what was spoken about last Sunday, so it'll all be new for you as well. But anyway, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 3. Um, if there's one thing that God desires from us, one thing which is really non-negotiable, if you come to God and you want him to set you straight, there's something you're going to have to do. And that hasn't changed either. Um and if you wanted to sum up, what is it God wants from an individual? What is it God wants from you or from me? Uh, uh, if you read here in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, I reckon it nails it on the head and sums it all up. God's speaking to Israel, but he says, only acknowledge 
thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed or sinned against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. God sort of sees through everything that we do and um, he knows that we're not doing it the right way. And I suppose, you know, before you, you come to the Lord, you might have different ideas about, you know, how you're doing things in your life. But generally in our hearts as well, we know that we're not doing things the right way. We've got something which speaks to us called a conscious and it tells us that, um, you know, I shouldn't have done that or uh, I shouldn't be having this attitude. And God sees all those things uh, and he says, I just want you to do one thing. Just come before me and acknowledge them. Come before the living God and acknowledge the errors of your ways. And that's all that God wants from man. And what we do normally is we go on fighting this, fighting it as as, as long as we can um, because we have a thing called pride. And, um, you know, we are, we don't want to really, um, I suppose, find ourselves in, a, in such a humble state before the living God and to say, God, I didn't do things the way you wanted me to do things. I, I can acknowledge my transgressions, my, my rebellion. Maybe we don't think about it in these terms of transgressions and sins, but we can know that, you know, we understand terms like rebellion or we understand things, um, you know, uh, the, the way that we've, lived our lives and, and that that wasn't according to what God would have wanted. Now that's such a, it sounds like such a small thing really. You know, this is what I did in, in, in 1988 when I was baptized by full immersion. Um, even though I didn't, um, completely understand everything that was happening, um, when I was baptized, you know, by, in water by full immersion, it's called the baptism of repentance. And this is actually talking about repentance. It just opened up a whole new world for me. From that day onwards, entering an relationship with God, it changed um, the way I thought, changed um, my life, um, the way I was living it. And when you sort of realise it's only such a small thing, you sort of wonder why most people resist it. It's such a good, healthy thing to come before the Lord and just to say, I got it wrong. You... Correct me now. And what what opens up afterwards is not, you can't compare it to actually just taking this step. But still, the majority of people, you know, um, we look for answers, we look to the Bible, the majority of people um, will still resist. We hope today, if you're listening, that um, you don't find yourself wanting to resist this word or this message and just allow yourself to come before the Lord and acknowledge these things. We're going to, of course, explain a little bit about how you can do that still today. Um, we're going to go to um, another verse here. Uh, uh, it's, it's just in the same chapter. It's verse 23. It says, Truly in vain is salvation hoped from, from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is salvation of Israel. And in times like we're in now, People can become fairly desperate. I mean, if your life is, um, you know, certain things happening in your life, you might be willing to turn to anything which can help you. We've had COVID and, um, you know, a lot of people have died, um, because as a result of, um, of this disease. And 
you find that when people are desperate, they'll turn to anything. What was happening here was that people became a bit silly in what they were turning to. And um, I, I like this expression, that truly in vain is salvation hoped from, from the hills. There's some things which can give you absolutely nothing because it has no power at all, but still people in their desperation uh, looking for some you know, hope or some, some help, they'll turn to these things. And there's all sorts of things you can think about today which people do so. I mean, here maybe it's talking a bit about how they were having some religious practices on the hills, but um, it's still a, quite a nice saying here, sort of like if you hope for salvation from the hills, there's, there's, there's no hope for you. You've got to turn to something which has power. And we all know God has power, and all the people said. So what we're trying to do is just work out what is it God wants from me? What is it maybe that I'm not doing now right, which I should be doing? And looking at these examples can all help us. God is maybe not such a mystery as what many of us would think he would be. It's actually quite simple to sort of see these examples and look at other things in the Bible and say, all right, now I know what I have to do. We'll look at uh, another scripture here and um, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 14. Maybe we'll see one or two, um, and we'll go to one or two examples from the New Testament. I mean, nothing that I'm talking about now sounds complicated or hard to do. It's available for the masses. Anywhere where the word of God goes out throughout the world, anybody can accept, can accept what they're hearing and enter into this relationship with God. So here it is, quite simple. The place to come to, Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 20. And here's the response. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers or the wrongs of our fathers, for we have sinned against thee. So what God wanted, a few chapters later, he actually received from people. And it's the same today. God wants the same from us. And can we give him that acknowledgement? Can we acknowledge you know, our guilt and our sins and our transgressions and let him set us straight. It's a wonderful thing if you can allow yourself to do so. Um, before we go to the New Testament, I just want to turn to a few more scriptures here in Jeremiah. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 2. And when we preach this message, quite often we get a response that we're going to read about here, not the one where people say, yes, you know, I can honestly look at myself and say, I'm not living the way I should be living, but most people will fight it. Um, just like the nation of Israel did as well. Um, in chapter 2 here in verse 35, we'll, we're going to read a little bit about this, like their, the way they responded to it, or some of them anyway. It says, Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, this is the Lord speaking now, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. And I suppose this is something which really typifies the response we get from people, maybe a response we had from within ourselves when we first heard the gospel, the word of God came unto us, is that we always see ourselves in a in a good light. We always see ourselves a little bit better than what's actually what actually we are. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And uh, people will say, Look, you know, I'm not such a bad bloke. You know, why hassle me? with this message. Oh, my neighbour, I'll give you his address. He really needs to do something because his, the way he's living his life is so much worse than me. I mean, this was my category. You know, I 
I didn't think I was so bad. And the reason why, this is the age of 16, the reason why I thought I wasn't so bad is because I did less bad things than other people. Not that I didn't do bad things, just I did less of them. And that to me was a measurement which I was going to live by, I suppose, in life. As long as I do a little bit less of the bad things than other people do, I'm going to be a good person. Age 16, probably that was my philosophy uh, that I'd gathered together until then. Um, but God knows. You know, God's seen everything that we've done until, you know, until our, that, in that point in time. He actually also sees what we're going to do uh, in the future as well. And we can't come to him with this approach and say, well, look, what's the good old Australian expression? Uh, say, say to God, no flies on me, mate. You know, um, you could say that if you live in Europe, because there's not too many flies over there, but here in Australia, you really see where that expression comes from. You know, we're not innocent. We're not innocent. Even whatever we think of ourselves, we're not innocent. And um, God will plead with us, and maybe that's what he's doing today, he'll plead with us if we say, look, I don't have any sin. I know sin's an old word, and we don't really know what to associate it with. But just having gone the wrong direction, not listened to the word of God, um, that's already in God's eyes, that's a sin. Uh, and, and, and along these lines, if you just go back to, to verse 23, um, again you hear similar type of thinking. It says, how canst thou say, I am not polluted or not unclean? Now in this world that we live in, how could we honestly come before God, our neighbours, our, our work colleagues, and we can say that we haven't been polluted by the things that's, which, which is around about us. There's so many things that we come into contact with. And even if you've got a lot of good intentions in your life, I mean, children in school, you know, um, at young ages, and they've got, you know, computers in the, in, in, in the, in the classrooms there at school, and, um, you know, they're already um, seeing things, you know, ages 11 or 12, um, which... 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would have become unimaginable. Um, how could we come before God and say that none of this has affected us, that we are not polluted or we've not been made unclean? Um, and it says, I have not gone after the, after Baalim, uh, see the way in the valley, uh, not know what thou hast done. Um, thou art swift, uh, domedary traversing her ways. So that's something not to come to God or before God with, um, you know, because he does see through a lot of the things that we do. So let's go to the New Testament. Maybe we'll look at two examples. Um, I might just want to read, before we do that actually, I might just want to read one more thing from here. Uh, chapter 4, I think. Yeah, we'll just have this one more verse and then um, we'll leave Jeremiah alone. He must be getting tired by now. Um, Seeing, using him so often today. Now, some people get themselves into situations which they absolutely have no control over. You know, um, some people are born into families and there's already difficulties in the families and it affects them and you could really say that maybe they didn't have much to do um, with these, you know, these, t- these hard times coming upon them. But when you think about it, most of the difficult situations we come to, when you really think about it, is because of ourselves. It's not because of what other people have done. 
but it's because of what's inside of us or the way we've reacted to other people. Um, and some of the situations people are in, of course, are very, very hard and, and desperate. You go in Australia or, or overseas, in Africa or places like that, you can just you hear sometimes the some of the stories and some of the things that people go through, and it's quite sad. But most of the problems we have is because of us. Most of the problems that we go through is because of ourselves and all the people said. And when we find people in these situations, we really like to, like God does here, I suppose, really like to just try and probe that a little bit. Like, can you see maybe your part in the way your life has played out? Or is it just everybody else's fault? You know, because the way people speak most of the time, they would probably project things in a way that, you know, I'd just be great in my life if this and this and this didn't happen or that and that and that, you know, didn't uh, go the way it did type thing. Well, let's read here, Jeremiah chapter 4 and um, in verse 18. It says, Thy way and thy doings have procured or brought these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness because it is bitter, because it reacheth uh, unto thine heart. You know, and a lot of things that people go through just really tears them apart. And um, it's like a dagger going through their heart over and over and over again. And, uh, of course, anybody in a situation like that, um, you know, it's not nice. But, again, the prompting here from the Word of God, speaking to the nation of Israel, but these are things that I think you can generally speak, you know, to, to the masses. Um, when you think about it, hasn't really your own ways brought a lot of these things unto you. And it hurts, and that's, uh, that's not, nobody, nobody would want to argue with you if you come to a point like this. But maybe, maybe we just haven't been listening to God. Maybe we haven't been giving him the place that he deserves to have uh, in our hearts and in our minds, not obeying his word, um, like the nation of Israel found themselves here. So we're not happy for you if you're in a situation like that, but we're wanting to prompt you as well um, to turn to the Lord. Not turn to all the other silly things, you know, which the world projects to us and not turn to the hills and hope for salvation from somewhere where it absolutely can't come from, but to a living God who has power to raise the dead, change your situation or your circumstances around in a split second. We've had so many testimonies um, people, people like us who've come to the Lord, uh, where we could just talk for hours and hours on end about when we were in a desperate situation and we didn't turn to anything else, but we just found now we can just turn to the Lord and it worked out like a dream. So let's go to, let's go to a few examples in the New Testament. I've still got a few minutes left. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 10. I mean, like any other, uh, and a lot of us here today, we've got so many great, wonderful testimonies. And in our personal lives, um, you know, my wife, she's been healed of a, of a brain tumour, um, you know, without intervention, uh, no operation. Uh, it was there. Two years later, it was gone. It wasn't a very big brain tumour, but these things normally grow. And, um, you know, it was just by the hand of the Lord that that happened. Um, through that, we had, um, um, well, just before that, actually, we had, uh, you know, my wife, she's had uh, two very um, dangerous situations during birth, uh, both our sons, and the Lord was, 
you know, miraculously there uh, both times. Um, and, um, you know, the first, the first child we had, uh, we had, um, well, she had it. Uh, I was watching, of course, um, sort of like we. But, um, you know, it was uh, 12 hours of, um, of going nowhere, really. Uh, just uh, Monica was in, in, in such a great pain and um, she actually, um, when I looked into her eyes, um, it was the only time in my life that I hadn't, hadn't seen any person there. I didn't see her in her eyes. It was gone. She was just, she had, was in so much pain. She wasn't there. Uh, and, and after 12 hours, uh, everything changed within about 20 minutes. And uh, we went so quick. And we're just there, and I wasn't prepared. Actually, I thought we're going to be like this for the next twelve hours as well. It just seemed to be like a huge, you know, this this huge uh, task in front of us. And the Lord just turned it around. And the second time um, she gave birth, doctor, we found out afterwards was contemplating breaking up her hips um, and and getting the baby out that way. It was a bit of an, it could have been a bit of an emergency, and we we we, um, we had a camp on in Hungary at the time, and uh, I just texted. So the brothers down there to have some prayer for us, and uh, you know what it was like. It was like it was like sending an SMS to God. You know the response was immediate, and again everything just in a matter of ten minutes or so, the whole thing just turned around. And um, like I said, we really can go on for hours and hours um, just to show you that God, that this God is real, and this God has power. And if you want to hope in something, you know, put your hope in the God of the Bible. Because nothing else, you know, maybe, maybe you can put a band-aid over things with all of the wisdom of man can give you, but nothing will really fix the problem or turn things around the way they should be. God gives you a new heart, no matter how old you are. He can just give you a new heart and you can start like, um, you sort of day one, like a baby again, you know, with a heart which can trust things again and believe in things again. Anyway, there's lots more examples like that. But I want to read the, this this um, um, this little passage here from Luke chapter 10 and from verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. This is Jesus now. Saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And verse 26, And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? So Jesus basically says, Well, what do you think? Right, if some people would come to us and to say, well, what do I need to do to be a good person? You know, we could turn it back the same way and say, well, what do you think? And most of the time, uh, people know deep down in their hearts what they really need to change. Maybe they don't believe it can be changed, but deep down in their hearts they know. And this person here actually answered uh, very well in verse 27. And he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbour as thyself. He basically summed up the whole Old Testament in one uh, in one verse here, and he got it spot on. All right? This is what I should do. This is what my calling would be. And Jesus acknowledged this in verse 28, and he says, and he said, Thou hast answered right, do this, and thou shalt live. Now there's a full stop at the end of the sentence here, and that's where it all should have, that's where it all should have stopped. It was an honest question, right? Maybe from someone who's a lawyer, maybe sort of a bit uh, tempting there, but it was an honest answer. And basically it was all done. And the point I get out from this is, 
is that we basically know within ourselves what we should be doing. If we're honest enough, you know, um, with ourselves, uh, it's clear. We're looking at the Word of God. We can we can summarize it and put it all into one sentence. But the problem with us is that we're not living always that life that we know we should be. And then comes verse 29, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, who is my neighbour? So it's sort of like, let's make it more complicated. Because what we've just gone through now is too simple. (laughs) You've asked me, I've answered, we can all see now it's clear, but I need to justify myself because I'm not living like that. I'm not living that type of life that's just now become clear to everybody that I should be living. So let's just get into a little argument about technically who is my neighbour. And then we can lose sight of what was important. And when you look at religions and you look at um, some of the games that people play, nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same as it was as we read about here. If you are, if you are new here today and you, you're listening to the Word of God, you know what you should do. And maybe your heart's even pulling you. You know, to take the step just to give God this acknowledgement. You're doing it, you'd be doing it today by being baptized by full immersion in water. Accepting that that's what is God's plan for you. And, um, unfortunately, conversations normally don't stop there. And there's all these different arguments that people get into and all these technicalities that people get into. And that's why God becomes a mystery because no one understands anymore. Um, the simple truths. Uh, they gave the example the other day about, you know, uh, Henry VIII there in England and, and, um, you know, t- wanted to take another wife and the Catholic Church didn't allow it. And then so he just said, well, I'll just form my own religion and I can do that then. So I can justify my action just by forming a different, different religion. And there'd be so many other examples that you could think of where people act this way. And that's why it's so confusing. But praise the Lord, the simple gospel message is still preached faithfully by men around the world and women as well, maybe not from the stage, but just talking to others. This is what you need to do. And in your heart, you know, deep down inside, it'd be the right step to take as well. I think it's a good little illustration maybe of, um, you know, our traits and what really stops us from obtaining something which is good in our lives. Don't justify yourself. Come before the Lord wholeheartedly give him an acknowledgement. Yes, God, you are God. I'm just a person on this earth. I haven't done anything. I haven't done all things good. Maybe done some things good, but not all things good. And see where it goes from there. God will open up for you. He'll open up to you. That's what we preach because that's what we've experienced. We wouldn't be so excited about this ourselves if it was just all theory and we wouldn't have had these things ourselves. But we know it's true. and That's why we like to preach it. And all people said. All right, let's go to another little example here. Maybe I'll try and finish off, finish off up here then in John chapter 11. We read a story here about, um, a time where Jesus raised some from, someone from the dead, a man called Lazarus. And, um, we'll read a little bit of the story here. Uh, maybe we'll start. Oh, we'll just start in verse 11. So John chapter 11, verse 11. These things he said, this is Jesus talking, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now, the disciples, verse 12, 
said unto his, uh, then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, uh, he shall do well. Verse 13, howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. So they thought he had an afternoon nap. Thought, That's a good thing for Lazarus. But uh, Jesus said, no, 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 no. The case is that actually he's dead. Now, it goes to show as well how we can often misunderstand the message, uh, what we hear. Um, they didn't really had any concept of the power of God at this time. I mean, they, they'd seen things, of course, but to them it wasn't like Jesus wouldn't be speaking about Lazarus if he, if he died because that would be such a, you know, a... Um, terrible thing but Jesus was okay with it because he knew that he was going to actually raise Lazarus from the dead so he spoke about it I suppose in a way which they didn't pick up the signs and that's something that our our thinking is limited in you know God is trying to convey something to us and we have a certain idea about you know what's possible maybe what's not possible and we misunderstand the message because of that if you know what I'm saying anybody know what I'm saying okay Pastor Phil does that's good um uh, so we're just going to read on, uh, verse 14, it says, um, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not, with, uh, was not there, to the intent you may believe, nevertheless let us go unto him. So Jesus goes, um, we'll maybe just uh, skip down to, um, oh well, no, we'll, we'll, we'll read, um, yeah, we'll read from verse 20. Um, then Martha, as soon as he, uh, she heard that Jesus was coming, uh, went and met uh, him. And Mary sat still in the house, as Mary and Martha, um, two sisters there. And in verse 21, and said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever thou ask uh, God of God, God will give thee. In verse 23, and Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Verse 24, Martha said unto him, I know he shall rise uh, again in the resurrection in that last day. The point maybe I'm trying to make here is that Martha's thinking was limited to what's possible. And she wasn't seeing through the power of God what is really available here. Uh, A bit like ourselves maybe. Uh, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believeth thou this. And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the, the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. So she didn't really answer the question. I think she was feeling here was getting a bit, uh, maybe uh, the communication was not going so easily now. And in a way, she's admitting to something which shows a belief in God, that people are raised again during the resurrection. But Jesus wanted to go past that. He's saying, look, don't just think you can go this far. You can actually go a lot further than that. And in our lives, I suppose the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we sort of have these ideas as well and we think, well, if I'm with God or God's with me, you know, maybe in my life this would be possible or maybe possibly that would be possible. And, you know, if Jesus was to teach us anything today, it would be the same, it would be the same as what we're reading here. He'd say, don't just look that far. There's so much more through the power of God which is possible for our lives. And it goes on, uh, this uh, little, um, 
Um, this little instance, well, little instance here goes on. We're going to go maybe skip down to verse 38. And it's sort of a bit of back and forth here. Um, you can read Mary came to see Jesus as well, and she sort of had the same line of thinking too. And Jesus goes a bit back and forth with her. And he wants to take some action now. And, and he says, well, in verse 34, he says, you know, show me where you've laid him. And then he came and Jesus wept, verse 35. Uh, but we just go down to verse 38. And so Jesus, therefore, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. He's deeply moved now within himself. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. And after all this discussion, Jesus, verse 39, says, Take ye away the stone. And there's Martha again. She says, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. Now the point here, is that Martha didn't see any point at all in just taking this small step, right? Rolling away the stone doesn't sound like too big of a deal, right? Maybe it's unpleasant because the smell will be there, but you don't really think there's anything she could really lose from doing this, right? This little small step, just do it. Didn't I say, or don't, could you trust me? Just take this step. And you'll see the power of God coming in, you know, coming into the situation. And then what happened here? And they took away the stone. And Jesus, verse 43, said, Lazarus come forth and he came forth. Now we'll turn to our last scripture and I want you to keep this in mind because we're now going to talk about baptism. Okay. We're going to go to first John, uh, first Peter in chapter three. Maybe just trying to make a bit of sense or trying to just connect what we just read to what I'm speaking about. Okay, baptism. I was baptised by full immersion in 1988, December the 29th. And um, this little story about Martha here could well resemble about what happened to me in that day or how I approached it because I obviously by then was acknowledging you know, some things that uh, are connected to God in my life. But I had no, my, my thinking was still very limited and I had no idea what was available to me. And I was nudged to be baptised. I had a sister uh, who was nagging me uh, to be baptised and I didn't like that, of course, so much so that when I got baptised, uh, I tried to do it in a way that she didn't know that I was getting baptised because I didn't want to think that she'd won. Um, because she was nagging me for such a, well, such a period of time. So when I came to this point of baptism, I sort of thought a little bit like we read in the scriptures here that what have I got to lose? It's such a small thing that God is asking from me. And maybe I don't completely understand, uh, what it will open up for me, but what, what really stops me from getting baptized? What really stops the stone from being rolled away? You know, why not just do it and just sort of like go along? with the prompting from, from the scriptures. And if you're contemplating baptism, maybe this story can be a little bit similar to yours as well. And we're not saying that you don't believe in God. I mean, Martha there, you could see, she said, I, I know the resurrection will come. She, she had a belief in the things which come from God, but still her, her thinking was very limited to what could happen now. 
You know, and God doesn't want to just show you, you know, in the future when you die, if he's really true or not, you know, through resurrect, through being raised from the dead. He wants you to come, he wants you to come, he wants to come into your life right now. He wants to show you his power right now. And after certain, you live a certain amount of years, maybe you think, well, my life can't be any better anyway. I've tried this and I've tried that. You know, I've just reserved myself to this life that I'm living. Um, there's a few sayings in Hungarian which I really don't like. And one of them is, um, as one as said at me, um, it's a good, it's a good old pessimistic saying they got in Hungary. It goes, this is what I've got, so this is what I have to love. This is my life, so I just got to love it, you know, the way it is. And, um, no, not when it, if you want to know the living God, you really, your life will be transformed. So many people get baptized and spirit filled. They go to work on the Monday and their colleagues at work say, who are you? What happened to you over the weekend? And probably by this time you'll be so thrilled that you'll be happy to tell them or your neighbors make a comment or, or your family, you know, sees a change in you. I suppose the challenge is going out today to you is that what really stops you from just taking this one little step of being baptised? You know, and what have you got to lose? Martha saw her, her brother, or saw Lazarus, raised from the dead. What an amazing thing to be able to have seen. And it just hinged on this. Just roll away the stone. Just show me a little bit of faith or, or belief. And I'll, and I'll do the rest. God did the rest. And you'll do the rest, rest for you as well. So in, in first, in first Peter chapter three, I just want to read verse 20 and 21. And it'll be the last, um, uh, verses of scripture we're going to read just uh, for today. It's talking about the days of Noah. It says, where sometimes were disobedient when one, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. This is a story you'd probably learnt uh, at Scripture, or if you went to church, you know, you know this story. And it says here, now in verse 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism can save you. It may seem something which is not logical or what's the use, you know, but just think of Martha there. Just think of maybe what was going through her mind and um, you feel like you get a little nudge from your heart, you know, and say this is what you got to do, put it right. So, okay, God. I'm going to come before you. I don't really understand everything about this, but I'll come before you in the waters of baptism. If that's what it takes for me to have this relationship with you, let it open up. When you're being baptized there, God will be so happy with you to see you doing that. You'll feel immediately, um, you know, a blessing come upon you. And most people receive the Holy Spirit while they're in the baptism tank as well and you'll come forth speaking in tongues. 